and welcome to Rugnet's Rundown, the internet's number one Rugnet Odor podcast, where we talk about Rugnet Odor, Rugnet Odoring things. Uh, mostly Rugnet Odor the senior, although we will involve other Rugnet Odor, maybe Rug losses, just depending on where the <laughs> evening takes us. I am Max. I'm joined tonight by the giggling Hayden. So glad that Odor is still just so good. Yeah, and the deeply serious Mike, who has finished his shrine that we discussed last week, <laughs> and is ready to actually discuss Regenerador out loud, no longer in beatification. Absolutely. Let's get to it. Regenerador, he's pretty good. Uh, okay, moving on. No, Man, Regenerador is so good. <laughs> he's so freaking good. Let me pull up this, uh, this thing of stats real quick. Uh, Jared really Sand- series. Mm. Yeah, Jared Sandler uh, tweeted out some notes today about his uh, his August. And keep in mind that it, we still have, what is it, probably four or five games left in the month. Um, and it reads as follows. That he, I, I, I mean, there's so many numbers here that are so impressive, so I'll just hit the highlights. But basically, he's batting 303, 388, 618, <laughs> which is an OPS over 1,000 um, for the month. He is uh, first in RBIs, tied for first in runs, tied for fifth in total bases. He uh, He's seventh in home runs and seventh in walks, which is, of course, humongous. Um, each of his last three home runs and four of his last five have come in the seventh inning or later. And there's all sorts of other stats that are just remarkable. Uh, but this is a historic, or excuse me, excuse me, an historic uh month for Odor and it's an historic month an historic month for Odor and gosh I am so excited to continue to wear my Odor jersey in public because as I've said many times basically uh, like kind of halfway through last season I just kind of retired it and didn't really want to get caught wearing that (laughs) but uh oh man Rugi and he's got the swagger too the swagger never left and just the skills came back just yes. drop the bat head on the ball, hit it into the ocean, and just <sighs> run around the bases with your high socks and your pine tar helmet and looking mm-hmm. freaking sweet. So you read a very good August. Again, 303, 388, 618, pretty solid. Seven home runs, 28 RBI. Really, really good month. Not that great, though, considering that his second half is 333, 399, 659. Yep. He's been super, super good. (laughs) Super, super good. Since June 1st, 302, 384, 553. Good for a 149 WRC+. We're going to do super stellar. The defense looks great. We've talked about this a couple of times now. We have to keep talking about it. Rudin Ador looked dead in the water for a while. He was a guy who, like you've been saying, Blanche was... It was getting difficult to kind of keep that belief up, keep the hope alive. He looked just rough. And it's been incredibly, incredibly fun. (laughs) Rugman Odor being good, too, is a very different flavor of somebody being very good because of that swagger. Like, if Carlos Tochi had a 150 WRC+, plus, he'd be like, yeah, I guess he's fine. But Rugman Odor doing it is just funny because he's going to bat flip stuff. Like, he's going to start throwing shoes at people. He's going to, like... Handstand his way to first base or backflip around the base. Like he's gonna do something very funny, and well, I, I'm 100 percent here for it. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, uh, Ghost of Eric Thompson uh, who tweeted out apoplectic uh, fits. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was him that tweeted out this weekend. Like, uh, Rudnator Door is making another fan base hate him. So that is how you know that it's been a good weekend. Something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, when when he when he is at his best, everybody hates him except for us, <laughs> and I embrace that wholeheartedly. He's just he's just a different player. I mean, there was a comment made on the uh, the broadcast that uh, he worked a walk in today's game, and they're saying there was no way he would have laid off these pitches, uh, you know, first half of the season or any part of of last season at all. And mm-hmm. worked a great walk, and then Andrews comes right behind him and hits a double and scores him. And it's like, that's manufacturing runs. That's what it's all about. 
Yeah, and, and apparently that's that's the the chew effect, right? Is mm-hmm. is being able to? I mean, and and Kevin, uh, our friend Kevin, who has uh, written about kind of why it was so easy to give up on our door because of the things that he was doing wrong are like fundamentally like he could not recognize breaking balls or fastballs and that will get you beat every time in the major leagues and now he's seeing those those curveballs like on the outer half you know or just outside the outer half and instead of just chasing them and trying to hit them over the fence foolishly he's just saying nah you know what i'm gonna let that be a ball and if you eventually do want to throw a strike i will be ready to destroy it but if you do not want to throw me a strike, I'm okay with taking the free base, and and that's the biggest thing is, is the yeah, walk. The, the, the power the power never left, uh, the contact obviously left a little bit, but it was really truly just the on base skills and the discipline that like buried him, and it is now what is kind of is resurrecting him. Yeah, they made a comment on the broadcast, I think it was either yesterday or today, where they said, yes, and every walk that, that Odor gets from here until the end of the season will be a new record for him for a season. <laughs> so I mean, it's this, awesome. this early to to have you know already beaten his career best is, is just a testament to what he's been doing at the plate. Yeah, and he spent some time on the disabled list too. Like, what was it, three, four weeks, five weeks? So he's really, truly only played about half a season. And... Uh, so I'm so happy for him and for myself because I get to enjoy watching him. Yeah, I think the Rangers have played like 130-ish games, 131 games, and Ruggie's only played in 100 of them. 8.5% walk rate on the season. That's just silly. I you would have, I would have lost a ton of money <laughs> betting the over-under on Ruggie Nardor's walk rate at 8 because that was the easiest under in the history of sports betting. And that's why baseball's great. Is we all would have lost that one. So that's fun. Man, Bruno Doris is really easy to talk about right now. He's one of those guys that you just don't want to talk about when he's bad because bad Bruno Door is not fun at all and it like just looks really crappy and you kinda hate it. But good Rugnet Door is super entertaining. It's a, it's a little like the the Javi Baez Oh yeah, scale, where you're like fun hobby is insanely entertaining, but then there's the hobby bias who like runs into really idiotic outs in the base pads or strikes out 300 percent of the time, and you're like, why is this guy <laughs> playing baseball? But yeah, um, I think it was the Athletic had a, a thing where they interviewed players around the league and asked them like favorite manager, least favorite manager, blah blah blah, and somebody was they were asked like who's your favorite and least favorite player, and some guy was like, oh yeah, it's Javi Baez. That dude, he just man, he, he he sucks. He sucks so much. I hate playing as that guy. But if I'm a fan, I love that dude. It, it was great. It was it like, oh yeah, that's Rugnet. I'm sure people really despise that guy. But as a fan, <laughs> what's that Rugnet Odor? How's it going? So when we're talking about Texas Rangers infielders who are fun to watch, uh, a very different flavor of fun to watch from Rugnet Odor is our elder statesman. The one, the only, Adrian Beltre, who, despite being 713 years old, is still playing really, really good defense, as we talked about on Thursday. He can't run. He has obviously no power in the bottom half. He, he can't really swing. But, boy, can he field the ball, like, five feet into foul territory and then just casually flick it down to first and throw a guy out. Like, what? How is he still doing this stuff? That was a thing of beauty. I, I mean, it was – any third baseman in their prime would be proud to make that throw, that catch and throw. That's it's, something that they would – that, you know, two years ago, or this year even, uh, MLB video is just absolutely slobbering over Nolan Arenado or Manny Machado for. They're like, look at this crazy arm. Oh, the millennial third baseman. And Adrian Beltre is like, yeah, it's just being a third baseman, guys. Yeah. You know, if you're good, you just do this play. He just walked <laughs> it through. Like, he, he sleepwalked through that thing. Because he can't run. He has, like, worse <laughs> hamstrings than me. And I can't walk some days. Like, that dude just, uh, yeah, I'm a stroller. Yeah, got it. Throw it over first base. Whatever. Walk off the field. That's the third out. What's up? Just the most nonchalant Hall of Fame play I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it, and, it's again, it's part of the reason why on, on last the last episode when you're talking about Beltre and what his future is, 
uh, he has the the fielding ability is still too. I mean, the only reason why he's DHing a lot is because of the legs don't cooperate, but it's not because he's a liability in the field at all, which is awesome. And again, I think that that will factor into the uh, quit before, like retire before you actually get bad in the field. Because I mean, this is a this is a player who his his glove has been uh, transcendent, generational uh, for his whole career for the last two decades. And if it got to the point where he couldn't, you know, get to balls anymore, I gotta feel like that'd be really uh, embarrassing for him. And so just quit before that happens. And uh, nobody wants to see that, especially him. But we'll see. I mean, he. I uh, I guess that's all. Evergreen topics for the end of the year is going to be what is Beltre going to do and how many how happy is Odor going to make us? <laughs> and the thing that makes me sad about that is just. Yeah, <clears throat> the power's gone. We know that he's not going to get to 500 home runs. But, I mean, it's like right in front of him. 14 more hits, and he will leapfrog Tony Gwynn, Robin Yount, Paul Wehner, and George Brett with Cal Ripken in his sights. And it's just, I want to see him just keep going up the charts. And if he stops the end of the season, that's going to be sad because he could crack the top 10 if he plays next year. I know. I know, and then he's also really, really uh, close to passing some guys for like games played, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's he's at a good spot with as far as RBIs go and like all time for third baseman ranks. He's he's a season away from being number one or like getting into the top ten of this or that. That just is a nice and clean uh, endpoint, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to to reach those points. Well, if his play today is an indication, Adrian Beltre is going to have an, a, a full 40s career of being an off-the-bench, late-innings defensive replacement. <laughs> He's going to follow the absolute dumbest uh, end-career baseball thing in history. It's supposed to be like pinch-hitting forever. It's like just an aging slugger. No, Beltre's going to be like, I can't hit anymore because I have no power and can't run. But boy, can I play third base. <laughs> I'd be Entering fine the game that. in the in the top of the eighth inning, forty-four year old Adrian Beltre. I'm just like, yeah, we're all tied. That's great. This is what we wanted to see. So, you know, there you go. It's gonna be very good. I'm I for one welcome our robot Adrian overlords. Like, bring it on. If Adrian Beltre had prosthetic legs, like cyborg legs, he'd play till he was seventy. <laughs> and he would be much fitter at seventy than I will ever be in my entire life. Yes. Like, man, that dude is a physical specimen. He is a very impressive man. Mm, the Rudman Odor Adrian Beltre Appreciation Podcast will continue until the end of time. That and uh, <laughs> it's like, it, what's amazing to me is that we can sit here and talk for, it's been almost 15 minutes, and we have waxed poetic on Beltre and Odor, and we haven't mentioned the best player on the team. Because Joey Gallo is really good. <laughs> Yes, he is. Joey Gallo is incredibly good. He's having the best second half on the team. He's better than second half Rignetto Dor, which is very hard to believe, but is also very true. So there you go. Texas. What's fun? What's funny? I'm the the old guy on the on the podcast, but the office that I work in, I'm actually one of the youngest guys, which is really comical. We've got some old people at my office, and there's a a guy that reports to me. He's 65, 66, somewhere in there. And every day he comes in and says, they need to get rid of Gallo. Cause no, Gallo does. no. <laughs> he just looks at his batting average and says, they got to get rid of Gallo. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> what is, he, is he fourth or third in the American League in home runs right now? I'm not sure. He's one of the top guys. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm pulling it up. Batting leaders, MLB, blah, 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 do, 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 2018. Uh, While yeah. you're looking that up, I'll just say, I'll take this opportunity to say, What's up, Bubba Thompson? In case you are listening to our podcast, <laughs> we know that you you liked us on Twitter, so uh, or you followed us on Twitter, so maybe you are listening. And if you are, please hurry and get to Arlington as soon as you can. We eagerly await you. Oh yeah, you're yeah. gonna have to chase Joey Gallo out of center field when you get up here because <laughs> Joey Gallo, center fielder, has been actually kind of fun. Those would be first world problems. <laughs> what an incredible athlete Joey Gallo is! That dude's like six five, two sixty. 
and is going out there and playing center field. He's bigger than Josh Hamilton and is yeah. playing center field. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. He is fourth in the league in home runs. Also fourth in the American League because the National League sucks. You heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> Overrated. Anyway, uh, Chris Davis is first 39. J.D. Martinez at 38. Jose Ramirez is, like, maybe the best player in baseball this season. Like, yep. that's weird. But also not because he's been one of the best players in baseball the last two years, despite being, I think, like a non-prospect for a while there. Sadly, Chris Davis probably wouldn't even crack the top 20 if he didn't play the Rangers. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If Chris Davis played in any other division, he would hit like 17 home runs a season. Exactly. But, uh, there you go. But he, he is still cranking him out on top. Uh, I think he was KD for the players weekend. I didn't manage to catch an A's game today. Oakland is still doing really good stuff, although they did have a big a big hurt. Um, Oakland lost Sean Manaya today on the DL. I think it was a shoulder issue. So that's kind of weird or unfortunate for Oakland going forward because uh, there is a weird thing about Oakland. How many pitchers for the Oakland Athletics have produced more than 100 innings this season? Mm. One. One. Sean Manai. Yeah. 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 Manai is the only one. Cahill has got 91. Mengden has 90. He's in the minors now. Because he was good and then he was terrible. Uh, Evan Jackson and Brett Anderson are within an inning of each other, 62.2 and 62.1. That's pretty much it. Like, everyone else sucks. They've all pitched like five innings. So Oakland is a very strange team. They have an an absolute ace at the top, even though his numbers are not, you know, Scherzer or Kershaw. They have an innings eater who is quite good. Uh, And then a whole bunch of just random dudes who've all pitched like 60 innings. But this is a very good team. So we're just continuing our, our Oakland Athletics Appreciation Podcast. We promised that we would talk about Oakland as much as possible. Uh, Matt Chapman is still a demigod. Chris Davis is still very cool. Piscotti has been good. I mean, Mark Canna is still, like, maybe the weirdest center fielder in baseball, non-Joey Gallo category. Mark Canna does not belong in center field at all, but can kind of make it work every once in a while. And It's kind of a fun team. Uh, Ramon Laureano is the guy who had that absolute crazy pants monster throw to throw a dude out from like the left center field gap at first base. Did you see that one, Mike? I did not. Uh, it was maybe two Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The stupid oh, yeah, it was throw. all over yeah. from the yeah. social media. That was yeah. the most unbelievable throw I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was like a 5,000-foot throw. He threw like a mile to throw a guy at first base. And he base. threw a strike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he winged it in there. Yeah, uh, Puig had a really good throw today. He uh, like booted a ball that bounced him in right field, and Manuel Marco tried to tag from second, and they didn't have to tag because the ball bounced. But Marco goes from second, and Manuel Marco is pretty fast. Like he's a center fielder, he's pretty dang quick, and Puig just easily burned him. Just another crazy pants thing. I love Yasiel Puig, and he is a very fun defender. Because he like does stupid crap where he just boots balls and like misses them and then throws guys out anyway. Like he gives away those hits to throw guys out at second, and I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. I love um, the outfield assist. It's it's one oh, of my yeah. favorite plays in baseball. The outfield assists are fun, and uh, we're just hoping Bubba Leslie get up here, get some outfield assists for us. We know you can wing it, high school quarterback, get a good arm, come come play defense for Arlington. Displace Joey Gallo, bump him out of center field. And steal his. lots and lots of bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great season for Bubba Thompson, um, who was a first-round pick, of course, and that's going to segue, uh, very, look at this very smooth segue I'm going to put up here, into what <laughs> I want to talk about tonight, which is first-round picks. So Texas, right now, is in line for the eighth pick in the MLB draft. But they'll be picking ninth, right? At 58 and 74. Well, that's what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So the Atlanta Braves are very good this year. We've talked about them before. Uh, they've got guys like Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr., who are young and just doing absolutely crazy pants things. Uh, Acuna, I think he just turned 21. Ozzy Albies isn't much older. Uh, Nick Markakis is having a career resurgence this year. Their catchers are like bizarrely good, Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki. But the Atlanta Braves, for all their success, they're first place in the National League East, or they were the last time I bothered to look, which if they're not there now, it's because I just cursed them by talking about this. 
they're slated to pick ninth in the draft next year because the Braves did not sign their first pick, Carter Stewart, a pitcher. Oh. So, as of today, Texas one of these would things. pick eighth, and then Atlanta would pick ninth, which means that Texas is going to win some dumb games and fall out of the top ten here. Or they're going to they're gonna pick ten. Like, we're going to get screwed by the fact that Atlanta is picking in the top ten. It's going to happen. We're going to get asteroid again. Ah, uh, man. Free- <laughs> God. <laughs> If, why, why is there like, why is there why, why is why do you, why is this a thing for major league teams when they fail to do their job of signing a player? Yep. Why do they get a do-over for failure? Why do they get a bailout? Well, this one's they drafted Stewart, so he, he's uh, Stewart was a prep pitcher, I believe. Um, high school pitcher Stewart was drafted and then in his medicals it came up that he had like a wrist issue an arm issue somewhere. I think it was a wrist um, and that torpedoed everything so this is this is just like what Houston did a couple years who was that pitcher that Houston does with um, Aiken yeah uh, Brady Aiken Brady Aiken, that's right. So Brady Aiken was selected by Houston, and apparently his medicals were nightmarish, and he had all kinds of like elbow issues in there. And so Houston did not offer a particularly great salary or uh, signing bonus to him. Aiken turned it down, refused to sign, and then went back into the draft. And so uh, Houston got that pick, and that was the Alex Bregman pick, right? I think so. Yeah. Which, yeah. I saw some stuff about Alex Bregman like being the face of baseball or something nauseating like that. That's awful. Oh gosh, freaking! I don't like that at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a, not at all. He's he's the worst. Nah, Alex Bregman uh, definitely makes me very mad online. Uh, Brady Aiken has not pitched in 2018, so he's. N- not ever gonna pitch. He's did retired. He, did he step away from baseball? Was that? What oh yeah, happened? I think it was like in February or March. But yeah, there's an article about how he just is is having. It, it was very much like a. It, it talked a lot about like his mental health and kind of like identity, post baseball and struggling with that kind of whole uh, paradigm, and so he's just is moving on from baseball and kind of rediscovering himself. So I think along these same lines with this rule, I think the Rangers should get a, a compensatory pick for um, Dylan Tate um, because it was a <laughs> dumb pick and it didn't really oh, pan out for us. I actually, man, I was excited about the Dylan Tate pick when it happened because, like, this is a a legit, like, big stuff, good results pitcher coming out of a college program, a little older and a little put together, and then we just said, "Hey, stop pitching the way you pitch," and that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we should get a compensatory pick for that, right? If you ask me, yes. <laughs> yes. Makes total sense. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, Jacob Nix was the other guy that the Astros took in that Brady Aiken draft, and he's the guy they couldn't sign because their money to Aiken went on, like, they couldn't use it anymore. Uh, he apparently made the majors just, like, two weeks ago. So that's oh. cool. I'm, I completely yeah. missed this. But uh, he came. He's with the Padres, so that's cool. Yeah, he's pitched three games already. Huh. Well, you learn something every day. Jacob Nix, Major League Baseball pitcher. That's the thing. <laughs> so file that one away. But yeah, so the Braves didn't sign Carter Stewart for medical reasons, and that means they will pick ninth in next year's MLB draft. So you can basically just pencil Texas in for tenth. Uh, I think you can just safely assume they'll find a way of getting on the wrong end of that compensatory pick. That or the Rangers will pick like sixth and the Braves will take with their compensatory pick a transcendent player. Like they're going to they're gonna trout their way into that ninth pick. And we'll pick someone toolsy. Yeah, we'll pick a very toolsy kid from Georgia. We'll steal yes. a kid from Atlanta. And they will take like some polished prep kid from Central Texas and he will be the next Clayton Kershaw. And we're like, dang it! So, there you go. <laughs> That's the draft. The draft exists to hate you. 
Also, Baltimore it, still still sub three hundred winning percentage. Still real bad. Nice. <laughs> it's there, it's man. it's beautiful to see it actually with your own eyes. There's, Is the, it? Those lost numbers. Oh yeah. Is it? Ye- yeah, you know, you know that I am, I am loyal to the team chaos, and that's true. I guess part of being team chaos is that you're also team extreme. So mm-hmm. if it, there can be something where it's just truly remarkable, I want to see it. Uh, no hitters, perfect games. Uh, uh, Scooter Jeanette hitting four home runs in a game. That was really the Orioles. Orioles losing 125 games. Golden State Warriors winning 73 before they became obnoxious. All that kind of stuff. I'm just get be as wild and historic as you can, and so I am all in with Baltimore. I'm mostly like that, except if it involved the Yankees setting a new record for most wins in a season. Something along those lines, I'm definitely out on. Yeah, well, fortunately, the Red Sox, uh, that blessed franchise that everyone uh-huh. can love unabashedly uh-huh. with no issues whatsoever... Um, all classy fans and a wonderful city of full of people who are kind and generous and not terrible people. They're so, inclusive. They're 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 very passionate. Very. They they care for um, minorities. Yes, I can't do this much longer. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Boston? Winning like four hundred games this season, man, that sucks. Uh, uh, Baltimore is on pace right now to lose one hundred and sixteen games, which is pretty incredibly good so that's that's cool uh, on the note of inclusivity I did note that uh, uh, the Chicago Cubs played their pride game at Wrigley today with Daniel Murphy leading off which did seem like a bit of a slap in the face given that recent news story but ah, baseball it'll it'll get where it's going it's always moving forward have the Rangers done a pride game or are they one of the teams that has never done one uh, to my knowledge, they've never done one. Yeah, so definitely lots of uh, newfangled things going in in baseball that we could talk about. But we did have a couple of things we wanted to talk about tonight, just cranking through some issues. And one of them, not one that's really been super relevant, I think, recently in watching. Especially, I think that baseball has done a pretty good job of minimizing this year. I haven't noticed it being much of a problem this season as it has been in the past. But something I still think could use some tweaking, which is video review. So, I like replay review generally. I think it's a it's a fun. I, I would like people to be right. You know, I don't like when things turn on judgment calls, and it screws the whole game up. You know, it's not fun to you know lose the no hitter at first base because the umpire misses the bang bang play. Like that's not cool. Nobody nobody watches the game because the human element means things can get screwed up. Right? Am I wrong there? Like other people yeah, would right. do that. I, I will would definitely agree. I will step out with you on that limb. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's not a risky position to take. No. So I am a soccer fan, and so I watched uh, pretty much the entirety of the World Cup this year, which is pretty fun. And one of the things that jumped out to me in this year's World Cup is their use of VAR, video assisted replay. Um, and the, the I, I didn't like all of it. I I guess I'm a traditional soccer fan, which is weird. You know, I didn't like the fact that there was like video review in one of the most traditional sports in the game, but I thought it was actually pretty well integrated, and it was generally okay, especially for one thing that jumped out to me. And I might not be 100% on this, but my understanding is that when VAR happens, uh, the referee can signal that he would like the booth to review it, and the booth gets to watch the play a couple of times, but they do not get slow motion. They don't get weird angles. They get to just watch the play in real time a couple of times and make a call. So they get to watch a, 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 you know, a, a hard tackle or offsides or a handball in the box or whatever it is. They get to watch it. They get their angles, but they do not get the super slow-mo, the frame-by-frame. They don't get any of that breakdown. So basically it's just giving the human eye another chance to see the play. And I think that rules. <laughs> I like that. I think that would be a really cool thing to do with baseball's review that takes us on a little ticky-tack crap we've seen where a guy slides into second and pops up like a quarter inch and they bring up the electron scandling tunneling microscope and they're like, aha, you were not in cellular contact with the bag. Like, 
I thought that was kind of a cool thing to see, and I think it's something that would adapt really well into Baseball's Review that would make it a little bit more authentic while still being accurate. So I wanted to throw that one out there and see what y'all had to say about it. I like it. I mean, I, I, I hate the stop down of the, the video review I mean, because mm-hmm. it can be several minutes. And I mean, you talk about it can change momentum. I mean, it takes the crowd completely out of it for sure. You know, and even then looking at it in slow motion, there are times that I've looked at it with my own eyes and gone, they didn't get that call right. And, and so it's not foolproof. So yeah, just watch it in real time. That, that makes all the sense in the world to me. It, it should be keeping the rhythm of the game going, moving along. That's, that's what it should be about while getting it right. Yeah, I, I, my main, I, I think it's an interesting idea and I'm not against it. What I think would accomplish somewhat of a similar um, kind of goal or, or like mission would be to have a time limit on the review of like 60 seconds and if the if the people looking at the the replay can't tell if the the call needs to be overturned and if it's not obvious within 60 seconds to like you know four four or five uh viewings of the play then it's too close to call and just leave it so i think that would eliminate some of the um, you know, you, you're not in cellular contact with the bag the entire way through, um, which is, of course, like that's against the the spirit of the law, the spirit of the rule. Nobody wants that to be. <laughs> Nobody wants that to be counted as an out. Um, and so I think that if you made it to where it had to be seen by the naked or, you know, by the un-slow-mo and hyper-focused eye, that could also be good. Yeah, I don't think that it, it moves too far afield from where umpiring already is. And so I think it's it would be an interesting way of keeping that judgment element that's been in the game forever while giving a backup plan, you know, while, while giving fans a little bit better trust in the umpire to get something right because it doesn't come down to one millisecond decision you've got a couple of eyes looking at the game being like, no, I'm pretty sure he beat that that ball to first base. Like, I think he got there first. Or just watching it a couple more times, I think it's pretty valuable. So, well, you know, I don't know that MLB would do it. I, I don't know why they would want to change it. I think, honestly, replay review this season has been better. I've noticed fewer plays where I got, like, steaming mad at the TV because the thing got reversed on one of those little, like, ticky-tack calls. But... Uh, well, you know, after watching this weekend's games, something else that I think they could do to improve the game would be why are we not allowing the computer to judge whether a pitch is a ball or a strike? Because there was some really bad umpiring going on this weekend. They're, they were all over the map, and it was obvious strikes were called balls, obvious balls were called strikes. I mean, it was... It's, there was no consistency to it whatsoever, and it's just frustrating as a fan. Even when it's going in your favor, it still just makes you scratch your head and go, how are they getting it so wrong? When it's simple, the, the solution is right in front of you. And I, I mean, I'm a purist I'm, in every sense of the word when it comes to baseball. <clears throat> I don't want change for the most part. I love the, the game the way it's always been. But this is just, it's just bad. And it's it's inexcusable, truly. Like, it, it, what it, that's what it boils down to, is oh, we are making the game worse and less objectively accurate just because, because, and that's really frustrating. What's and frustrating it, to me sometimes is is you've got the umpires where they're consistent, but some umpires they're going to let you have that that outside pitch, you know, or they're going to let you have that low pitch, and and the pitchers have to figure out what the whim of the umpire is on a given night. And once they figure it out, they usually can work within those parameters. But it's that's stupid. It should be called a ball or strike, whether it's a ball or a strike. Not not at the whim of some guy who has had a bad day or whatever. The one that yeah, will it, always stand out to me is that Joe Nathan, uh, oh, thing, yes. I think it was his 300th save against Tampa Bay. Is it good? So, yes, it was. Yeah. Ben Zobris batting, and he throws a ball like in the dirt. 
three and a half thousand feet off the uh, outside corner and it gets called strike three and like Ben Zobrist and Joe Madden melt down and Joe Nathan walks towards the, the, the plate and he's like wow and you can clearly see him saying wow as he's going <laughs> in and getting the call but like What's up, y'all? It was a strikeout, I guess, technically. Whatever. Uh, yes. Yeah, I just I just searched uh, Joe Nathan, Tampa Bay Rays, not a third strike. And the yeah. first so we have oh, Marty the first thing that comes up is from the Guardian. <laughs> Marty the Foster. Guardian? Yes. Like the British newspaper? For, yep. For a blown call on Joe Nathan three hundred save. Then we have a YouTube link that says Ben Zobrist worst uh, third strike call to end the game ever. Uh, Rangers win on disputed strike call. Embarrassing raise Rangers strike fuels more instant replay. Uh, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it was objectively I just see horrific. What D Rays Bay had to say about this? Like that that's. April, let's see. The, April like eighth. Yeah, the, this YouTube video is uploaded April 9th, twenty thirteen. Yep. I just found D Rays Bay's call. Uh, D, uh, Rays tank, the worst call in Rays history, maybe. So, there you go. It's a great one. It, it was, like, so far off the plate. Just the whole concept of the guy who's judging whether it's a ball or a strike doesn't have the greatest vantage point. No. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It would be better to have someone watching it on TV and calling it, you know? Probably. You it would. Pure, like, over-the-pitcher camera angles. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad the, idea. The, I, I think that was on... So, there's an Effectively Wild pod episode from maybe a month two months ago I think it may have been the one that Nate Fryman do you remember him the gigantic first baseman for Oakland a few years ago he was the like six foot eight first baseman that they had there's some really funny videos of Fryman on second base standing next to Jose Altuve and they're like yeah they're he's like fully two feet taller than Jose Altuve so it looks very funny I'm gonna I'm gonna share an image and everyone can laugh at this give me like one second it's uh here we go. There's yeah. one of it reminds me of a uh, oh who was the the Chinese center for the Rockets? Yeah, Yao Ming. Yeah. It's a picture of him go. on the golf course with I think maybe John Daly or someone, and it's just <laughs> it's freakish to look at it because you think John Daly is this big huge guy and he's just tiny next to him. <laughs> yeah, no, that is um, the oddest pairing I think I could have ever thought of in sports. Yao Ming and John Daly. Well, Yao, Yao Ming looks big next to like Shaq. anybody. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Yao Ming towers over Shaquille O'Neal. Like that's how you know he's just a freakish dude. Anyway, Nate Fryman, who's a first baseman, played with the A's for a while, did some independent ball. He's really tall. Uh, he's also like a sabermetrician and stats writer now. He went and taught himself how to do like statistical analysis, and he's a, an advanced stats writer for Fangraphs, which is super cool. And he gave, uh, I think it was in his interview with Effectively Wild that he talked about, like, the robot umps thing. And that one of the, it was either him or it was when they, they interviewed an actual former crew chief, uh, umpire crew chief. But whoever this was they were talking with said that the, the big one that's going to, like, jar fans is that the strike zone is not has never been called in certain ways the way that it should be called by the book. Especially height. And that you're going to start seeing balls that are, like, caught in the dirt, but that did nick the strike zone, called strikes. And that's going to weird people out. Um, and then balls that, that, you know, kind of get framed in start getting called balls again. Those borderline calls are not going to go to pitchers. And, you know, there's this whole discussion about it. And, like, yeah, it's going to be different. And, honestly, I don't think it would break my heart. Like... A pitch that goes through the strike zone that gets caught in the dirt. Well, I went through the strike zone, so like, why, why, why should we be that crazy about it? You know, like it makes sense. That's the whole point. I, I don't think it would change a whole ton for me. This is an excellent Yao Ming John Daly photo. This is very good. I told you. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna share all of these tall people, short people images uh, on Twitter. So if you've wondered why we're tweeting out random photos of tall people and short people there you go that's it 100% it's all explained now that you've listened to this episode of the podcast yes so yeah robot umps um, not something I'm like super gung-ho about like gotta do it right now but 
one of the things I think will probably happen and that will probably be a lot better than folks think it will be. Yeah, there'll be an adjustment period, but I mean, once you get used to it, you'll be like, my God, why did we do it the other way for so long? There's going to be issues and hiccups. You know, there's going to be blown calls where the computers like mess up, but there's probably fewer blown calls with the computers messing up than there are right now with the people messing up. I feel like the, the biggest thing is going to be how they use it. I mean, if any part of the ball is touching that box, is that a strike? You know, if it's just a hair of it is in the corner of that box, is that a strike? That's that's where I think you would get into judgment calls. But, I mean, however they, they program it to do it, it's going to do it that way. And they just have to mm-hmm. come to an agreement on what makes up that frame. Uh, what I think they should do is program in a random chance thing where on every play the computer just picks how much of the strike zone it cares about. <laughs> And it's no. keeping with the spirit of the game. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. You have human robot umps. <laughs> They're perfectly accurate, but what accuracy means changes on every pitch. <laughs> I would love to see a computer throwing a uh, ball player out of the game for arguing balls and strikes. Yeah, that would be the awesome. Com- the computer just rears up out of the ground. And it feels like, <laughs> you're gone. And you're like, oh, no, giant computer god. Oh, no, I've made a mistake. So, yeah, big robot umps. I want big, intimidating, like, uh, was it? what was that? Mark Wahlberg movie was it Real Steel where he like has a it's like a Rock'em Sock'em Robots the movie basically you, you know I I just don't think I got around to seeing that one <laughs> nope. did you miss that one I didn't see it no nope. uh, did not let's rejigger it uh, Transformers I can't imagine why <laughs> I want Optimus Prime behind the plate for every Major League Baseball game <laughs> But, like, that's the thing, though, is you might get Optimus Prime or you to get one of the Decepticons. Like, Starscream is just going to call everything a ball. And you're like, damn it. This is, you're destroying the game, you Decepticons. This isn't fair. I'm just trying to picture a Transformer trying to crouch down to be yeah, like a 30 foot tall robot. <laughs> that lay, turns laid out flat on the ground. Yeah. It gets freaked out and turns into a bus. And you're like, wait, why is there a school bus? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so maybe not Transformers umpires, but I think Robot Umpires is the uh, definitely the next call of action, some form or another. Computers are the wave of the future. Apparently. <laughs> uh, although we were into the problem where, um, uh, was it Jason Wirth had that thing about how the ner- the super nerds are ruining yep. the game? Oh gosh, freaking Jason Wirth. The it's only reason ironic. why he got like $130 yeah. is because he could walk. Mm. And... He the way that he even put it, he was like, "I call these guys super nerds." Like, like it was he's really like, lame. he's like super jock. He gets it. He played the game, and like you know, what, those people and those general managers, you know what? I think that not only are they nerds, but these they're just stupid super nerds. It was like dude with enormously lame hair and beard, whose entire financial wealth is predicated on the fact that guys figure out how math works makes yeah. fun of nerds. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like, what? Jason, Jason, no. Stop it. Well, because he was saying it in context of the fact that, like, that's why he's out of baseball, right? Yeah. nerds. Yeah, he's like, oh, the nerds are why I can't play. No, it's because you suck. Like, you're, like, 39 years old and haven't been good since 2014. Like, that's why you don't play baseball anymore. Uh, you're just, you're old and not fast. So... I think there's a, a Nats fan who may listen to this, and if that's the case, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, robots may be the wave of the future. Uh, robots are going to come in, and they're going to uh, upend Joe Nathan's baseball reference page, and they're going to subtract a whole bunch of stuff out of there, because that guy got away with some nonsense. But uh, they're, the robots will appreciate Bubba Thompson almost as much as we do. And they will appreciate Texas's 10th overall pick in the draft after Atlanta takes uh, a Tyke Mrout, whatever, in next year's draft. So we're out of the Bobby Witt Jr. sweepstakes, so I don't even care anymore. Like, whatever. Hey, can I just say something that's kind of unrelated to all of that, but it just I just thought of it? Yeah, and no. Speaking of, like, missing out on players and drafts. That, this is, that's the whole essence of a podcast. Yeah, no, we have a very strict schedule that we're uh, sticking to here. There was a script. (laughs) This is going to, I'm going to be fired. Uh, (laughs) 
there are a lot of bad arguments in sports and ba- bad fan opinions, I don't right? Know. Where are you going with this? No, I, I am not going to deliver a bad opinion. I'm going to complain about a. This isn't going to be about problem. ceilings and floors, is it? No. no, no. <laughs> no. What's up, Kevin? Tim Bogart. I'm out. There's not enough time in this episode to talk about ceilings and floors. No. Um, when we're talking about like. The, the, the Braves are going to draft this guy, the Rangers are going to go next and, and number 10, and we're going to miss out on somebody because we drafted Dylan Tate instead and all this kind of stuff. It drives me insane when I see, oh, well, look at this third-round pick that is like a perennial all-star. Our idiot John Daniels, manager, general manager, he couldn't, well, like, he missed out on that guy. And to me, if if a player was picked after the first round or after your pick in the first round, like you inherently missed out on like ninety nine percent of all players, and so the fact mm-hmm. that ninety nine percent of player out of ninety nine percent of players in baseball, that like some of them would be extremely good, and maybe even better than the guy that you picked, like that doesn't mean that you're bad. Yeah, it, yeah. It just, it, it's such it's so cherry picking. It's like oh well we. Stupid John Daniels could have drafted Mike Trout. He could have drafted Jacob Degrom. He could have drafted mm-hmm. these people, but he didn't. Well, so if they're not drafted, if they're not drafted in the first round, every general manager missed out on them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, I, I don't know. I, that just kind of triggered that thought in my head about the draft. Mm-hmm. Because there's when there's guys that you know are like we're kind of in the same context as each other, where like let's you know, I, I think it's probably easier to equate to football, where a team could say we're looking. We know we want to add uh, an outside linebacker this year, and they're picking between two outside linebackers, and they clearly pick one as opposed to the other. Is a little bit more fair. Baseball right. doesn't work that way. You're not you're not plugging holes. You know the Rangers take best player available, they have the guy that they think is the best, and there's tons of definitions of best, and there's tons of different ways of scouting a dude. You know, it's really different to, to criticize a guy for not taking the best left tackle in the draft when there were only three tackles to take anyway, and you're like, bruh, you could have taken the good one. Yeah, you know, there, there's only so many players in college football. It's really just very different for baseball. So I, I don't think it's all that fair, really, to drag a team on an, any individual pick. I think in the um, like in a larger scale, you can do it. You can say like, hey, yeah, this team has just consistently failed to return value on top end picks, which has kind of been Texas up until the last couple of years. Yeah, but. I, I don't think I think you're right. I don't think it's fair to ever point to one pick and say, "Oh yeah, you know everybody in the was it 2009 is Trout's draft." Uh, something like that. Eight. I don't remember. He was like the 26th pick. They took yeah. him after they took Randall Grichik, right? Yep. Yeah, the Angels took Randall Grichik one pick before they took Mike Trout. Yeah, so like 90 um, percent of teams in baseball missed out on Mike Trout. Yeah, like, like you can't say, well, you know, the 17th pick if you take in Mike Trout. Pirates, you'd be good, or whatever. Like, yeah, you can say that, but it's not really fair. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's like the Derek Rodriguez thing. There was an article. I think Evan Grant wrote an article that was talking about like the process on to the Rangers not like not signing Pudge's son to be a pitcher. Like, that's so and stupid. It's like, dude, so nobody. Well, he wasn't a pitcher when he came out in the draft. Exactly. No, he was an outfielder. Yeah. And then last year, he I think he was a minor league free agent this last last off season, But nobody was looking at Derek Rodriguez and saying. This dude is going to put up like twenty-five, well above league average starts. Like literally zero. The Giants are not going to pretend that they were like, "Yeah, this guy's great." They were picking up a guy they hoped could produce a couple of good innings and be a guy who might look interesting in 2019-2020. Like maybe a swing man. He's been much better than anybody could have anticipated. And so to drag through the Rangers for not signing Derek Rodriguez would be very stupid, in my opinion. It's 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 just completely unfair. And is said, well, he's Pudge's kid, so. Obviously, we should have signed him. Well, yeah, I mean, it would have been a really easy one to say, "Hey, yeah. sign all the kids of your former legends." I would be very thrilled if we had Derek Rodriguez right now. Yeah, yeah that would be much sure. better but, than having like broken Doug Fister or ugh, Martin Perez rip. Anyway, but like, yeah, this is not how it works. Yeah, you can say it would be nice if this worked out differently, but you can't say. You yeah, you can't say the team job. is bad for like, this. Probably. Uh, not in Cause, specific players. Honestly, because, I mean, I, I didn't even know that Pudge had a son in Major League Baseball. 
not I mean not that I'm like you know supposed to know everything and I'm not the general manager and stuff. I like knew that, but Pudge I mean, had a kid who wasn't much of a prospect. I knew yeah, he so had a player, go. and I was like, yeah, yeah, Pudge has a son, but he's not good. And then I saw Derek and he was coming up, and I was like, wait, his kid is good now. When did that happen? <laughs> so yeah, there, there for every for every Derek Rodriguez, there's going to be 500 more minor league free agents that are minor league free agents for a very good reason. Yep, there's the Michael Jordan's kids who I watched play very bad basketball at UCF a couple years ago. So there you go. Lots of of big names don't necessarily turn into anything else. But we're hoping uh, one big name turns into something else, and that's uh, our our best friend, Baba Thompson. Please continue (laughs) to be great. Yes, Baba, we love you. It's really good. That video I watched like nine times today. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm gonna go exit velo, 175 miles an hour. Had to yeah, be. yeah. They they caught that thing speeding on the autobahn. They're like, that's not okay. <laughs> We're taking this baseball in. And how old is he now? He's 20. 20. Yeah. Very nice. Very, he was a little old for a high school draftee, but I, the the raw number doesn't jump out to me as being a problem. He's two no. years out of high school, yeah. so he was old for a high school graduate who who really cares that much. He was a late transfer into baseball. He was mostly a football player in high school. I'm not worried about the age. Not at all. No. He doesn't change his service clock or anything. That he will be matter. here soon. Oh, and it's going to be transcendent. It's going to be mm-hmm. glorious. Mm-hmm. He and Leodi and JPM are going to be the, the silliest outfield in baseball. Yeah. We'll only field two outfielders. We'll actually move one into the infield as, a, as an extra <laughs> defender because we won't even need it. Just left center field and right center field. We got this. <clears throat> It's going to be the, the world's dumbest uh, shift. <laughs> Joey, Joey Gallo gets to pick our shifts just to screw with people going forward. It's like, ah, have five in, have six infielders. Do no, it. like in, in Oakland, he'll, he'll just sit, you know, in foul territory just waiting for the oh, foul yeah. balls because they get so much room there. You know, we'll have that luxury. I'm looking forward to the uh, the first time someone shifts into foul territory. They just put like a first baseman out towards <laughs> the, uh, the bullpen in right field. And they're like, yeah, just catch... Those big long pop flies. You got this. Yeah. In Oakland, it might actually. It would actually kind of make sense. Yeah. There's a lot of foul balls hit there. Yeah. So you heard it here first, everybody. Uh, when we run a baseball team, we're gonna move into the Coliseum and run the world's dumbest foul territory shifts. Yes. That's it. That's the Rangers run down. <laughs> Will we run down foul balls in weird territory? <laughs> <laughs>